The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee, and a large crowd followed him, because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish feast of the Passover was near. When Jesus raised his eyes and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, Where can we buy enough food for them to eat? And he said this to test them, because he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred days' wages worth of food would not be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good are those for so many? Jesus said, Have the people recline. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so the men reclined, about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining, and also much of the fish as they wanted. When they had their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the fragments left over, so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them, and filled twelve wicker baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves that had been more than they could eat. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This is truly the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Bearing the name Philip, this Gospel has a particular place in my heart. And the words of Jesus to Philip have come to me this week as I've heard the Lord say, where can we buy enough food for them to eat? You see, this particular weekend is not only the weekend where we have the annual Men in Black game, but quickly on its heels, starting on Monday, is the seminarian retreat. And God has been very generous to us in allowing our numbers to grow, with seven new men entering this fall, bringing our number of seminarians to 29. 
And so usually when we go on retreat, we go to a retreat center, like we did two years ago in Charlotte, and they have the rooms all prepared and nice beds, and they have a staff that cooks the food, and they have an audio-visual department that allows us to be able to set up, uh, if we're watching a movie in the evening or something, and then we bring in priests as speakers, and everyone gets a chance to kind of listen to them, and we have Mass together, and time for prayer and the rosary, and recreation outside with the basketball, or the soccer ball, or the frisbee, and it's a time of great fraternity. But Bishop Zarama has said, I don't want our seminarians to be spoiled. (coughs) Be creative. And so tomorrow, we leave in vans to go to the mountains in West Virginia with tents and fires. (laughs) And so, where do we get enough food for them to eat? (coughs) Costco yesterday. (laughs) With people looking at me in my collar as if I was crazy. I thought the cart was going to break. Last night, um, don't tell the bishop this, but I almost blew up the rectory. (laughs) Not really, but as I was parboiling potatoes outside on a a kettle with a gas line underneath it, I realized while I was inside um, chopping carrots that the water had gone over the side and put out the flame. And when I came out to check the parboil, what did I smell? Gas. So luckily there was a shut-off valve on it, and we were fine. But the joy of preparing for this event gives me time to think about not the food for their stomachs, but the food for their intellects, food for their souls, and the challenges that God wants to present to them so that they become the men who give their lives for your families, who wake up in the middle of the night and go to the hospital, who dedicate themselves to preparing couples for the sacrament of marriage and joyfully receive our children at the font and accompany us in sadness when we go to the grave, that extend their hands in forgiveness and do so out of generosity because they recognize that he, the first mover, has been generous in giving us free will. You know, there are some Protestant scholars who offered the idea that there wasn't a miracle on the mountain. That the miracle was the miracle of unselfishness, that all this food existed under the jackets of the people who were there. And when that boy gave his two fish and five barley loaves, it sparked a movement of generosity among the people. Hogwash. There's no evidence in Scripture for that. And when we do away with the miracles of God, we only are left with a historical Jesus. And a historical Jesus 
did not save me. Jesus, who is outside of time, saved me and you. Jesus, who enters into time, the Logos who enters into our time at this altar today, is the one who saves us and who acts in persona Christe through the raised hand of a priest to absolve us. Jesus knows the needs of those people on the hillside as he knows the needs of the people who come here to Mass today. He not only knows the natural needs that you have, like a cup of coffee in the morning, something to get going, a grumbling stomach, time after Mass to share. He knows these needs. He's the master of nature. He can walk on water. He can heal blind people. He can stop hemorrhages. He can cure the lame. He can make the crippled man walk. Jesus has always had power over nature. But it's his power over sin and his power over death that demands he goes to the cross in obedience to his Father. And so the miracle that they see and that they receive is not just the filling of their stomachs, but the recognition of the generosity of God always produces more than we expect. Just ask the family that has ten children. When they were at nine and scared about having the tenth, they've received the blessings because they were generous. Just ask the priest who was scared, like me, going to the altar, but when you lay your face down on the marble, and show any sign of generosity to God, he will always su surprise you. God will not be done, outdone by our generosity in any way. And so, the lesson they receive, not so much for their stomachs, is that Jesus will always provide enough it's echoed in our first reading as well, when Elisha encourages that gift and there is left over. In our lives, the question this week should be, are we being generous to the God who is super abundantly generous to us in giving his only begotten son? He not only wants to nourish our bodies with the nature that he has created by his powerful hand, but in the Eucharist today he will nourish our souls to strengthen us, and he will nourish our intellect through his word. Why? Why has he given this example to his disciples, and why has he given this example to us today? Because of Paul's writing an apostle who got it clearly. He's writing from prison. As a Roman citizen, he had the ability to be able to appear, appeal his decision and be heard in the city of his choice. He chose Rome. He was accompanied by a soldier at all times, probably shackled to him. 
and he was allowed to receive visitors and to write. And he writes to them from prison. How is he able to do that? Because of his contrition, his conversion, his reception of God's mercy, and his commitment to follow Jesus with his entire life through suffering. We can't be a Christian without the cross. And so the reason why Jesus feeds us, why he nourishes our stomachs and our souls and widens our intellect to seek and know him is because he knows as a follower of him that we are going to experience the cross. And we don't experience the cross with fear. We experience the cross with hope because Jesus has been victorious and he will lead his disciples to victory. He strengthened, he fed those on the mountainside, but he strengthened his disciples who saw the miracle. He will feed you today at the altar, but he wants to strengthen you because he knows what we're asked to endure especially more than ever in this culture who rejects him now. At the end of Mass, after you have been nourished and after you have been strengthened, the Church, in her apostolic mission, will send you out. And the command will be, go forth. That's not go forth to Krispy Kreme. <laughs> That's go forth into that world that will present to you the things it presented to the disciples, to the apostles, to Paul in prison. It will present to you crosses. Sometimes those crosses will be even experienced in our own families. But fear not. The Lord goes before you. He leads you. He gives you these examples as he gave his disciples to feed you, to strengthen you, and to send you forth. Let us encourage and lift up one another, as did Elisha, and as does Paul by his writings. Heavenly Father, in your generosity, hear the poor prayers of your children as we place our intentions in his holy name and in your majesty. We pray for the church throughout the world, for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for our Bishop Luis, for all of our priests and deacons, for our seminarians, those in discernment, for our husbands and wives, priests of the domestic church, for those preparing for the sacrament of holy matrimony, for those in religious life and those discerning the single life. Continue to call your people, Lord. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our nation, for its leaders, judges, justices, for those who defend our freedoms and place their lives at risk, for our citizens, for the poorest among us and those who come to our shores. Help our nation, Lord, protect all life from natural conception to natural death, and aid our nation through the immaculate conception and growing in virtue. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Almighty Father, in the name of your Son, who is our divine physician, we commend to you all who are sick. 
grant your healing graces and surround those who are sick with your faithful. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the dead, for those who have gone before us, for all of our family members and friends, especially for those who have taught us our faith. And we pray for those who are in purgatory but are forgotten and have no one praying for them. By our poor prayers today, Lord, open the gates of heaven and allow them to enjoy the light of your face. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. 